Hello and welcome to Princess in the Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Sawyers, and I'm ready to talk Disney movies past and present. Once upon a time, Hannah and Kristen sat down to talk about Rescuers Down Under. I thought about trying an Australian accent to say it, and I didn't want to offend people, so I, I didn't do it. Rescuers Down Under, mites. There you go. <laughs> Kristen's got you covered. My fun question for you today is... Where is the furthest you've traveled? Very close to Australia. That would be New Zealand. I believe that's the farthest place. I've been all over Europe, but definitely. Mile-wise. Yeah. 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 Well, that's super fun. Yeah. I, that's all I have. Like, I, I was like, this movie is set in Australia, and they have to travel and figure out how to get there. So I'll ask this question. So Amazing. there you go. How far have you traveled, though? Washington, D.C. Hey, girl. Or, Min- or Minneapolis. I feel like Minneapolis might be further, like, mile-wise. I don't know. I don't. That's the thing about Oklahoma. Like, we're in the middle. And so, huh. like, traveling anywhere isn't really that far in the scheme of things. And I've never left the country, so. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, like, Daytona Beach is the furthest southeast I've gone. The furthest south I've gone is San Antonio. Furthest west is Phoenix. Okay. Furthest north is Minneapolis. Cool. So there you go. I've I've hit most. I haven't hit the west coast at all. Hmm. So that but there's you like will. there's like a big circle of yeah. like area I haven't been to because I haven't been to Utah or Nevada. I've been all over that area. You've been uh, everywhere, man. You, I've been everywhere. Been everywhere. <laughs> is that like a Motel Six commercial or like a? It is a Motel Six commercial, <laughs> but <laughs> but it it was a song first. Well, you know. <laughs> so is is the fact that you've been everywhere the reason why you picked this movie? No, I picked this movie for pure '90s kid nostalgia no I'm, I'm i was born in the 80s but all the 90s disney movies were just the epitome of like life back i don't know like there was <laughs> we had the kids on the milk on the milk cartons like this movie is like peak like 90s problems <laughs> <laughs> kidnappings and like talking to animals and stuff you know i just love that that's where you went like <laughs> the children on the milk cartons you know I remember watching that movie. Do you remember that movie? The like little girl on the milk carton. I feel like it was a Hallmark movie. I did not watch it. I haven't had cable in a while. So no, no, no. This was like when we were little. Like this was like a girl discovers she's been kidnapped because she's on a milk carton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it. Okay. well, I I just. That unlocked that memory when you said that. Well, that's so, so special. <laughs> so why don't you tell us an overview of this story? I mean, you've already referenced the kidnapping. Yep. All right. So if you've ever listened to any other episodes I've been on, I'm going to try to keep this one real short. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I tend to be long-winded. <clears throat> so uh, Cody is our main little boy who is living in the Australian outback. Does he have an Australian accent? No, he does not. 
<laughs> no, why would he have that? Uh, maybe it's because he lives out in the outback with his mom. I don't know. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> he talks to animals uh, and they talk back to him, which is pure Disney right there. So he frees a golden eagle from the poacher's trap. Huge, massive, oversized eagle. Uh, this evil poacher is, his name is McLeach. This dude is like just peak 90s villain, super grossly over-exaggerated, like huge compared to this little kid, really, really rough voice. Um, he is looking for this eagle and he kidnaps Cody so he can trap the eagle. The eagle, we find out, is a female. She has three eggs that she's protecting. And we also come to find out that McLeach has killed the father already. Um, so because of that, there's local animals that uh, contact, although they're like Cody's friends, they contact the Rescue Aid Society in New York City. And this is like a society of mice <laughs> help people around the world. They assign their top mice, who are who we know as as Bernard and Bianca um, from The Rescuers, the original movie in this sort of two pack. I don't know what else to call it. Um, and Bernard is played by Bob Newhart and Eva Gabor plays um, Bianca. And they just have such iconic voices. Um, they're assigned to the case. So... <laughs> Also undercurrent this entire time, Bernard is trying to propose to Bianca, but like keeps getting interrupted by things. And I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> um, so they, to save Cody and the Eagle, they fly to Australia on a giant albatross. His name is Wilbur and he's voiced by, again, peak 90s voice acting, John Candy. I mean, he's actor, not voice actor, but like just absolutely perfect. Um, and they get a help. They get help from a kangaroo rat named Jake uh, to try and rescue Cody. And Cody, as they're, you know, trying to come rescue him, um, he's in a cage and he talks to all the other animals and they try to escape. And also the whole time, as we talked about, Bernard is trying to uh, propose to Bianca and every single male that meets her is like, oh, hey, <laughs> hey, lady. And she seems completely oblivious the entire time. Like she I think she's just like very kind. But I also think I don't know, that was something to be said about the older generation going into the nineties was just like, Oh, I'm just pretty dumb, <laughs> but she wasn't dumb. She was very smart, but like her just offhand personality was like, mm, I don't, I, I don't, I can't tell that you're flirting with me. <laughs> and you can't tell the whole time if like poor Bernard's going to get shut, shut down. So, Oh, well, in the end, the rescuers get to Cody and they see McLean McLeach. I wanted to call him McLean the whole time. I don't know why. <laughs> Too close to McQueen. Uh McLeach lets Cody go so that uh and tells Cody that the eagle has been killed and mentions that the um oh no, the eggs, like the, the her babies like need somebody 
to take care of them or they won't survive. And so he, McLeach, tricks Cody into showing him exactly where the, the nest is and he follows him there. And, you know, fight ensues and, and the rescuers help. But a, a lot of it is like Cody doing. It's like five-year-old. How old do you think Cody is? Like seven? Yeah, I was thinking like seven or eight. Yeah, he's real tiny. He's like a little little runt, little runty kid. <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah, because he can definitely fit on an eagle. Like an eagle has to be like gigantic. And I know like this is some like special fancy eagle. But still, like, a child fitting on, like, that's got to be a pretty big bird. I mean, yeah, I think the eagles are definitely exaggerated because golden, they do have golden eagles in Australia, but they're not, like, that huge. So, I don't know. Anyway, uh, obviously, Cody um, gets captured again, and McLeach wants to get rid of him, so he dangles him over this, like, crocodile-infested river and um bernard this entire time kind of seems and in both movies he's kind of like the bumbling like sidekick like he he doesn't scream like leading man to anyone but he is the one that actually cares and and does what he says he's gonna do and he's very reliable and so he keeps getting like left behind by the kangaroo rat that they got to help them jake uh so Jake and Bianca are trying to help and, and Bernard is kind of the one that saves them um, in the end there. And so what happens is Cody gets saved. And then as per 90s gruesome villain deaths, uh, McLeach goes into the river and you think, oh, he's going to get eaten by the crocodiles. No, nope. he goes over the waterfall and plunges to his death. So... Good times. Um, C- Cody and the eagle are free, and so are the rescuers. And they all hopefully go back and let all those other animals out of the cage before they went home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was such a good recap and not long-winded at all. I'm very oh, proud of you. Thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm growing as a human. <laughs> So we've talked a little bit about some of our thoughts we had as we watched the movie. And as you gave that recap, like the size of the child, the the lack of an Australian accent. Are there Mm -hmm. any other thoughts you have about the, uh, about the storyline? Um, I love that the general idea that there are a bunch of animals that can communicate like under our noses and are just trying to do things to help people out. That's cute. Uh, I, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm that person that watches movies with people and they're like, oh, whose voice is that? What have they been in? I know this person. So I can tell that the first mouse that we saw in the movie, uh, is the same voice as the one who does Gus Gus from Cinderella, or it's really similar because I know Cinderella was made quite a few years before. So really similar voice, if not the same person. And then, um, you know, I, I said my love of John Candy. I just love his like jokes throughout the whole movie. And then um, how he flies through some of the big sites of Sydney, like the opera house and some really cool. Uh, I, I think the movie just showed some really cool wide shots that were beautiful, especially for the time in the nineties. We weren't known. Disney wasn't known for like beautiful backdrops. Like nineties animation was different 
for sure. But, mm-hmm. um, and then I just wanted to, I just laughed the whole time to Wilder's, Wilbur's back injury and the whole like surgery part, like completely unnecessary side story plot. Like, I don't know. I was watching it because I've seen this movie many times and I just was thinking how strange it was for him to have this whole side plot of like, I broke my back. Oh, I'm fine. Like what? I I don't know. I guess it was something for him to be doing other than just being transportation, even though that's kind of what he was. Oh, another great part was Wilbur. They had him sit on the eggs for the golden eagle. (laughs) At the very end of the movie, like the eagle hadn't come back yet. So it's just this black, and sunsetty look and view of the um, of the cliff that the eagle's nest is on, and you just hear Wilbur going like, "Hey, come back! Is anyone coming back?" And then he's like, "Oh, the 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 eggs are hatching. This is an order. You must stay in there." And he's like, "Oh, you're so cute, Gucci Gucci!" And then you can hear the the baby eagle like bite him, and I don't know. It's a good mix of humor and some really serious like child kidnapping in the middle yeah. of the thing and so I don't know Disney movies always ride that fine line of of humor and realism that I think is necessary for kids yeah, yeah. I I felt like this movie was very traumatic there yeah. were like I mean obviously there's a child being kidnapped which happens in the first rescuers but then also like there's all these moments where like the salamander thing is coming after everything at any point comes after the mice comes after the little boy does all the things and so it's like all these different things are happening and it's just i feel like it's more traumatic than like everyone thinks of the lion king as being super traumatic because you know Mufasa dies there's the fire there's the hyenas but i felt like there were more like intense scenes in this movie than most 90s Disney movies. Would you agree? Yeah, you're talking about Joanna, right? I think Joanna is supposed to be like a like a bearded dragon or like a... I think he calls her a salamander. So that's where that came from. Oh, but the whole time I was like, I'm pretty sure salamanders are tiny. Maybe he's just not educated. I mean, he still has children. <laughs> so he's probably not the, the sharpest tool in the box. Um, but yeah, that was my general thought of this movie was like, it was just a very intense situation. Oh, I looked it up because I really wanted to know. (laughs) I think he was making fun of her calling her a salamander. Yeah. Joanna is, oh, and that guy's name is Percival McLeach, which is like the sleaziest of sleaze names ever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's a monitor lizard. Okay. And the secondary antagonist of the rescue was down under Joanna. It's the whole time with him, like with the bad guy with McLeach, you're like, you care about this lizard, but you take all the other animals and like sell them and make them into what was that? Like purses and belts and shoes and stuff. So that was interesting. And I also thought it was interesting. Like, the amount of times he says he's going to kill Joanna. Like, yes, <laughs> it's very, very aggressive. And I know like, you know, owners say that in jest, but like homeboy has a gun. Like I had, I had a lot of questions. Also, my other question is 
why and this is this is a little twisted why did he shoot the rope when the kid was hanging over the crocodile thing instead of just shooting the kid like in his mind was there something different there because either way he was murdering this child i think well you can't get inside the the right the head of of a serial yeah i think he wanted the kid to suffer it's too easy to just kill a kid and throw them in the, I mean, this is terrible. <laughs> that would, would have been too easy. And I yeah. think realistically, like what he did before he threw the Cody's backpack into the river. Mm-hmm. And so it looked like he just fell in and got eaten by the crocodiles. So I, uh, I, so maybe that was the, yeah, I think that was his, his ploy. Also, I mean, I feel like, kids movie a child dropping into a crocodile pit is a little less gruesome i mean you know like how mufasa Mufasa gets trampled and we just assume he's dead you know i mean i was thinking back to lots of movies like you don't ever actually see the bad guy Mm -hmm. get killed you kind of get like a ghost of it like we know that he he was terrified and we saw wide you always get a wide shot right or, or something, like, vague in the background so that adults totally know what's happening and kids are like, oh, that sounded bad, but then they just move on, right? So, like, we get a wide shot of him falling down the river. It's kind of like Tarzan where you see the bad guy get – you don't see it. You know he's going to get hung because he goes down with the rope or, or the, the vine around his neck, but then you, you only see, like, there's, like, lightning flashing in the background and you see, like, a silhouette of his legs dangling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, we see Mufasa fall, but he falls into the smoke, but we know that, or the dust, we know he's falling into the, like, the hyena stampede. stampede or, or not hyena, mm-hmm. water buffalo or whatever they are. Yeah, and even, I mean, <clears throat> I know Rapunzel or Tangled came out in the 2000s, mm-hmm. but, I mean, that's how Mother Gothel dies as she falls from the tower and we just see a wide shot of her like cloak falling and then mm-hmm. the and then it like flattens yes yeah but it was like it, it looked like an empty cloak so uh, i know like we're coming way off of rescuers down under but yeah, uh, in yeah. my mind she ages like she's as she's falling she's aging and so mm. she by the time she hits the ground she's aged to dust oh i like that that makes sense. She's over it. <laughs> Have you thought about this before? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> so let's talk. We have talked a lot about characters in this moment and what kind of motivates some of them. And you've already given a list. Who are your favorites? Uh, so my favorites are, are Bianca and Bernard and Wilbur. I like Wilbur because I like John Candy and I like his... Uh, his type of humor, his very like physical humor, even in this movie where it's animated, you mm-hmm. like you can tell he has a physical type of humor about him. Um, so I always liked that. And then I love a strong female and a clumsy male. <laughs> like, and that's the epitome of this movie. Yes, Bernard is. <sighs> It, it's funny because I think this movie reminds me a lot of somewhat of my relationship with my husband. Like, he's not bumbling. He's just quieter. Like, I'm the the one that's loud and I'm the one that's, like, causing the attention to be on me. Whereas he is 
content to like be in the background. Um, though I guess technically like Bernard is not content to be in the background if there's every single other male in this movie trying to hit on Bianca, but I digress. Um, yeah, I just, I like that she's a strong female lead. She is a little clueless for my taste, but I think it's all in good. Like she's not doing it to be malicious. She's just like, okay, you can hit on me. Like, but she still clearly, oh, she, in the end, she, she says yes to yeah. Bernard. He finally asks, but yeah, that their, their little side love story was cute coming on from the other movie. So yeah. I liked that. What, what about you? I I like Bianca for the same reasons you mentioned. I she stands have... up for him, right? She stands yeah. up for Bernard. Like, J- Jake? That's like the least Australian name I've ever heard. <laughs> Jake. Jake. Jake, Jake from Jake State Farm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she stands up for Bernard. She's like, hey he'll come he's going to come like she 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 stands by her man yeah gotta love a lady for that (laughs) so quotes what's your favorite quote from this movie (laughs) so this is one of the least quotable disney movies in my humble opinion like the whole time i was watching it i was trying to pick something out and i do not have a favorite quote so i'm impressed that you came up with one oh thank you um can we tell the listeners that this is the first time that you've ever watched this movie oh yeah i'm in shock i mean we are we were born in different generations so that makes a little bit more sense but um my favorite quote is a quote from mcleach and it's, <laughs> I didn't make it all the way through third grade for nothing. <laughs> it's probably fine. Oh my God. Why? Well, I mean, it's from a teacher's point of view and like the villain coming from the villain, it makes perfect sense. And it's just funny. And, and I am known to quote movies often. And this one is one of the least quotable. And it's not something that like, if you ask a non- 80s 90s child they will not bring this movie up yeah it's not like a, one of the more memorable <clears throat> disney films unless you grew up with it yeah but i i still love it so that kind of leads us perfectly into this next conversation about so for those of you who don't know uh kristen did mention it a little earlier this is a sequel um the original rescuers movie came out in 1977 and Bob Newhart and Eva Gabor did the voices then, too. If you want to listen to me and my friend Casey talk about it in a little more depth, we recapped this movie in episode 21. And that was also the first time I'd watched that movie. So the Rescuers have just never been my jam. Um, but what's interesting is this sequel came out in 1990. So um, in my defense, I was not born. <laughs> and uh, I think it's really cool that there's such a huge gap between the first movie and the second movie. That's 13 years, 13 years between the two movies. Um, And you got the same voice actors, which is really, really cool. Yes. Uh, Well, that's a similar um, with the Incredibles. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the Incredibles and the Mm -hmm. Incredibles too in the, the, you know, huge, huge gap between those and the characters are all the same and they all sound the same. Like, it's not like a huge, like, Oh, they sound so much older. No, Mm -hmm. I thought they did a great job of sounding the same. And, you know, I know when you get older, it's not like your voice changes a whole lot 
it's not like you're a kid to an adult or like a boy to a man Mm -hmm. your voice completely changes but yeah this i'm good i don't think we need any more it's very cute but it's very 90s and again nostalgia you know well and we don't need another kidnap kid movie no we really don't (laughs) because i mean that was also if like i said you can listen to it more in depth but that was the same plot in the first movie was the little girl was kidnapped so that she could get some gems or something and yeah. It's very, very, very sad. This is my PSA. If you if you want something, use use yourself. Like find <laughs> find your own ways. Don't kidnap children. Don't kidnap children. Yeah, that one was like they used her. They were they like adopted her. Arms her arms were tiny. Yes, they used her because they made it seem like she was unlovable and like the animals around her. You know, it's it's that same kind of trope of like. This kid is unlovable, so she starts loving animals, and then they realize that she needs help and and, and help her. So, um, but it is the Rescue Aid Society, so the, you know, that's I guess they. That's their job. That's their job is rescuing. But okay, so favorite moment. I I, I yeah I don't. I just like this movie for the nostalgia. I don't really have a favorite moment. I I did really like the beginning parts with Cody and the eagle after the eagle. He rescues the eagle and then falls off the cliff and the eagle saves him. And then their whole like flying scene. And then when the eagle is introducing Cody to her babies, it's just very sweet. Yeah. I liked how it was animated and, and their interactions with each other. Yeah. But I approve. Yeah, there aren't any, like, big moments that, like, even as resolution comes in, it doesn't feel very, I don't know. There aren't singular moments. Um, No. My final thought on this movie is that for a seven-year-old, he can wield a knife. um, I mean, you know, growing up in in the outback, I feel like that's probably a good skill. And he did say his dad died. Yeah. So it was just him and his mom. So he probably was like, I got to learn how to do this. I got to take care of my mom. (laughs) I wish this was a video podcast. Um, (laughs) But any other final thoughts you have, Kristen? No, we did watch this movie together on Disney Plus, though, and that was really fun. I'd never done that before because I didn't really have a reason to do that before. Yeah. So... Yeah, we we utilized the group watch feature. So I started the movie on my uh, Apple TV, then pulled the link from my phone and sent it to Kristen, and then she started it. And so we could we could do emojis, but like that felt like a little silly. I did one just at the beginning, just because you know. Me too. Ah. And then uh, when she texted me that we might need to pause, I paused it, and it paused on both of our screens, which is cool. So if if you're looking for something to do with someone who lives, how far away do you live from me? Like eight hours? Uh, I have something no idea. like that. Dallas, Dallas for me is Oklahoma. three three hours. So how um, far from Dallas to Austin for you? Yeah, yeah, maybe three to four hours. Okay, so six oh, to seven okay. hours. If you need something to do with someone who lives outside of a normal driving range during these high high gas price times. <laughs> Use Disney Plus. <laughs> Disney, you could 
pay us now. Yeah. Thanks. Like you really need it. You need the promotion. Yeah. Yeah. Based on high gas prices. I'm so glad you joined us for today's Princess in the Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Princess in the Podcast and on Twitter at Princess and Pod. Visit our website, princessinthepodcast.com. I hope you live happily ever after.